Thank you for taking the time to listen to this audio sermon from Apostolic Worship Center. Our prayer is that you'll be encouraged and blessed by the anointed Word of God. If you'd like more information about Apostolic Worship Center and its ministries, visit our website at www.awcnorman.com. We are, we are, we are praying. Uh, well, from my perspective, we do it with hesitancy, but we are praying for a quick visa. And according to the average time of the turnaround of visas, it's 23, 28 days, and that should come up in the next week or two. And they hopefully will hear a response concerning their visa. And if so, if you can get that, we'll be back onto the field establishing a church in New Zealand's third largest city, Taronga. We're delighted they're here with us right now. And uh, Nani and Poppy are enjoying every minute that we can enjoy out of this process. Because we know that it's going to be a long gap in between. But I have saved air miles. And I have enough for a couple of trips. And we're going to make sure we get to go. Would you put your hands together and welcome Norman's own missionary Brandon Gordon. Amen. Would you clap your hands to Jesus now? Hallelujah. Amen. We, uh, we have enjoyed getting to be home and getting to be with mom and dad. I know my kids are excited about being here. And when we get them back to New Zealand, we're going to have to work the kinks out and remind them that such a thing as discipline still remains in the world and that Nani and Poppy aren't going to be there to save them. It wasn't this time. It was last time I think we were here. I had just finished getting on to Logan. He had, he had done something. I forget now what it was. He had done something, and I had given him a good, stern talking to. It wasn't 30 seconds later. I hear rustling in the kitchen pantry, and I hear my mother saying to him, you can have as many as you want. And I peek around the corner and I look and she's got the Sam's value-sized bag of chocolate chips pouring them into his hands. I said, Mom, he just got in trouble. She said, but I'm Nani. So, boy, there's going to be a harsh reality here in a couple of weeks when we get back to New Zealand. (laughs) But they're enjoying it now and we're glad to be here, not only with them, but with all of you. Man, if you have your Bibles today, if you would remain standing just a moment longer in honor of the reading of the Word, we're turning to the book of Hosea. Hosea chapter 11. We're going to begin reading today in verse number 1. In Hosea chapter 11 and verse number 1, I'm going to blabber just a little bit because I know that sometimes those minor prophets are hard to find, so... Let me just encourage you that if you've not given to move the mission or today the faith promise, please do it because we get to benefit from those things, not only us, but all around the world. That's what sends missionaries back. Those faith promise dollars allow us to go to Toronga. And right now in the entire region of the Bay of Plenty, uh, there are no churches right there. The only thing that's there is the preaching point that we began on our first term. 
So if you can imagine Oklahoma without any UPCI churches, that's what the Bay of Plenty is facing. So when you give to move the mission, when you give to uh, Faith Promise, you're changing that. You're making a difference around the world. So I encourage you to, to do that and get, to give to those things. Have you found Hosea yet? Amen. Boy, y'all are quick. Hosea chapter 11, verse number 1. It says, when Israel was a child, then I loved him. And I called my son out of Egypt as they called them, so they went from them. They sacrificed unto Balaam and burned incense to graven images. I taught Ephraim also to go, taking them by their arms, but they knew not that I healed them. I drew them with cords of a man, with bands of love. That's the second time that word love has been used here. And I was to them as they that take off the yoke on their jaws, and I laid meat unto them. He, Israel, shall not return into the land of Egypt, but the Assyrian shall be his king, because they refuse to return. And the sword shall abide in his cities and shall consume his branches and devour them because of their own counsels. And my people are bent to backsliding from me, though they called them to the Most High. None at all would exalt him. Amen. Let me just pause for a moment and catch us up where we're at here. This is God's indictment of the nation of Israel and his judgment upon them. He tells Israel, hey, I brought you out. I gave you meat. I delivered you. I loved you. I healed you. I I was God to you. And you've not returned any of that love to me. You honored Balaam. You turned away. I sent you prophets, but you were bent on backsliding. And because of that, there's going to be judgment, a sword and devourers. There's going to be uh, the Assyrians that come. And then verse number 8 changes the whole tone of the passage. He says, how shall I give thee up, Ephraim? How shall I deliver thee, Israel? How shall I make thee as Adma? How shall I set thee as Zeboam? These are nations that were with Sodom and Gomorrah and were judged with them. My heart is turned within me. My repentings are kindled together. I will not execute the fierceness of mine anger. I will not return to destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not man, the Holy One in the midst of thee, and I will not enter in to the city. The next few minutes, and by the help of the Holy Ghost, I want to speak from this subject, what Gomer does to God. Amen. What Gomer does to God. Why don't you set your Bibles aside this morning? Let's go to the Lord. Let's ask Him for His help in the ministry of His Word. Dear Father, we come before You today because, God, we do need Your help. God, we've gathered here on this Sunday morning not to just go through the motions, but to be in your presence and to hear your word. And now, God, I'm asking you for your help. Anoint my lips of clay. Anoint the ears of this congregation. Let them hear your word. God, let it have an effect. God, let it change somebody's circumstance. God, let it heal somebody today. And let all the glory, let all the honor, let all the praise for what is done in this house go to your mighty name. In Jesus' name. Name we pray, and would you clap your hands and lift your hands and give praise to the Lord today? Amen. You may be seated this morning. Much ado is made about the prophets and our preaching and throughout Pentecost. The prophets are powerful men. Prophets are heroes of the Old Testament. They, they're men of power. We love to talk and teach and preach about 
these men that could go and be so mightily used of the Lord. We talk about the prophet's mantle that fell and chariots of fire. We preach about the authority over the elements that they could pray and the heavens would be shut up, that they could pray for the dead and they would come back to life. We preach about men like Nathan standing courageously in the court of David and pointing his finger at King David in this kind of gotcha. I already knew this before I came in here. David, thou art the man. God already told me what you did. These prophets of the Old Testament are powerful men. They're anointed men, used of God, and we enjoy that. But really, if you pause for just a little while and you begin to read about the prophets and you begin to examine their lives outside of their power moments. You begin to examine their day-to-day life outside of the chariots of fire and outside of the mantles and outside of the people coming back to life. You'll realize very quickly the prophets are pathetic men. I mean that in the true sense of the word. It means to arouse pity. If you read the prophets and can come up with some other kind of emotion other than pity, you are one heartless person. Because you read the prophets, they inspire and they arouse pity within me as I read them. Hosea is a perfect example of this because Hosea is just a man. He's just trying to live for God. He, he's not super Christian. He, he didn't get born as a man that was a prophet. He was just a man, subject to like passions like you and I are. He's got the same weaknesses and the same doubts and the same fears and the same... Uh, desires in life and somewhere God steps in and messes it all up in his life and says, Hosea, you're going to be a prophet. So all those dreams of having a normal life are out the window. You're going to go preach. Now when God called him, you have to understand that I don't think Hosea rejoiced. I don't think Hosea was at the altar on a Sunday morning with the voice of God spoke and Hosea said, yes, prophet. Because prophet was a dangerous calling. There's a reason in the New Testament that Jesus will say about Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets. (laughs) I I don't think Hosea said, yes, danger. Woo! What I wanted, God. I'm so glad you didn't give me riches and comfort. Stonings, that's what I want. Constant peril for my life. And he... Beyond all of that, he realizes he's going to be an outcast in society. He's not going to have a lot of friends. He's going to be the oddball that comes in with camel skin clothes saying, Hey, God's going to judge you. That doesn't really win you most likely to be popular in high school. He gets blamed when things go wrong. They call him a traitor when he prophesies judgment. He lives in constant fear. All of this is wrapped up in that calling of Hosea and Yet Hosea says, yes, Lord, I'll be a prophet. I'll go where you sent me. I'll accept that calling and that anointing, and I'll, I'll do all of that. And God says, wonderful. Now I'm going to ratchet it up just a notch. Because in spite of all of that, in addition to all of these things, I, I also, Hosea, want you to have a symbolic ministry. I want you, Hosea, to go marry a wife of whoredoms. That's the KJV's way of saying, go find you some immoral woman who isn't going to be faithful to you and go marry her. Now, I have always been curious about this. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Hosea, how in the world did you propose? What did that look like, Hosea? I don't know what that looked like. But in my imagination, when I read it, I see Hosea. Boy, Dad's praying for that visa right now. 
God, send them to New Zealand. This is why I've been preaching on Sunday nights, because on Sunday nights they don't live stream. In my imagination, I see Hosea finding her in the market, and maybe they already knew each other. Hey, Gomer, remember me? We grew up together. Yeah. Well, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm a prophet now. It's been a good week. I, they only threw one rock at me. It's been pretty profitable. And what, what are you doing? Never mind. I know what you're doing. Hey, listen, Gomer. God was talking to me the other day. I think it was God. Now that we're standing here, I'm not for sure it was God. And he told me to find an immoral woman, and, and well, you came to mind. How do you feel about getting married? I hope that's how it happened. I, I don't know if that's how it worked out. I, I, I reckon that Hosea had to be good looking to say all of that and still have Gomer say yes. Sure, Hosea, I'll marry you. So Hosea marries her. He begins this symbolic ministry. And they go on. And Hosea, in spite of all of this, he might have been able to persevere. In spite of all of this, he might have been able to endure. He might have been able to endure all the rejections and the mockings of his countrymen. He might have even been able to suffer through a marriage to an unfaithful spouse that symbolized how God felt about Israel. But as you read the story, you find that something changes in the story. Something transpires. Something happens to Hosea. Somewhere Hosea got his heart mixed up in the relationship. I don't know when it happened. I don't know how long it took. I don't know if it was divine or just through the course of being married to Gomer, but somewhere it took a step beyond the symbolic and somewhere Hosea fell in love with Gomer. And he takes the words of Hosea chapter 3 and verse number 1 to heart when the Lord said unto me, Go yet, love a woman. Beloved, of her friend, that's Hosea, yet she's going to be an adulteress. Hosea, I want you to go, no, don't just marry her. Don't just go through the motions. Don't let it just be symbolic. But Hosea, I want you to get your heart mixed up in this. Hosea, I want you to fall in love with this woman that's not going to be faithful to you. Hosea, I want you to love this woman that's going to walk away, that's going to hurt you. According to the love of the Lord towards the children, of Israel, somewhere in the story, somewhere throughout the course of life and living and ministry, Hosea got his heart all mixed up with Gomer and he falls in love with her even though Gomer didn't deserve Hosea's love and perhaps didn't even fully return the way that Hosea felt about her, but Hosea still obeyed the words of the Lord and she was beloved to him. Perhaps she walked out on him and heard him time and time again, but he loved her and he loved her and he loved her. They, they weren't a match on paper. Hosea is a prophet with power and Gomer is just a woman with a past. Hosea's got a direct line to God. Gomer's done nothing but cross every line that God ever drew, but Hosea's got his heart in this now, and he loves her when all of society said that she wasn't worth 
loving and hear me on this Sunday morning that there are many in our world that if they knew our stories and could look at those that are gathered on these pews today, they would not say we were Hosea's but Gomer's. They would call us spent and broken and used and say that we did not deserve anything more than hurt in this life. But just like Hosea got his heart mixed up with Gomer, God was trying to tell Israel, I've got my heart mixed up with you. This is not just theoretics and this is not just religion and this is not just going through the motions of ministry, but Israel, I love you when nobody else loves you. But I don't have anything to offer you, God, that's all right. I got plenty to offer you and I want you to hear this preacher on this Sunday morning. It does not matter what life you've lived. It does not matter what stories are in your past. There's a God that's looking for a Gomer on a Sunday morning and saying, I love you. Ah. Gomer's name means complete. And as you read her story, you find it's true. She's a complete mess. She's completely broken. She's completely spent on this life of sin. She's completely bound. She's completely addicted to this life. And the world would pass her by and leave her in the gutter. But God steps in and says, you know what? Even in the gutter, Gomer's got value to me. Paul will write it like this. In Romans chapter 5 and verse number 7, but God. <laughs> mm. When the world looks at you and says you're a complete mess, you rise up and say, but God hath commended his love towards us in that while I was yet a sinner, and when I was still broken, before I ever lifted my hands in worship, before I ever did one righteous thing, before I ever did anything to deserve it, God found me in the gutter and he loved this Gomer. Ha. Ah. And when God falls in love with Gomer, He changes her. That's why Paul will say, but you are complete in Him. You used to be a complete mess, but now you're completely whole. You used to be completely broken, but now you are completely loved. This is what God does. Friend, I want you to hear me today. Too many people look at the church as just theoretics and tradition. Too many people look at God as just a practice in theology. And if that's all it was, that'd be fine. We could go through life and it really wouldn't matter how we lived. But there's more to this than just theology. And there's more to this than just religion. And there's more to this than just a tradition. But God's got His heart set upon you today. Go love her, Hosea. Go love her, Hosea. Why do I have to love her, God? Why do I have to love her, God? Is it enough to be symbolic? Isn't it enough to just go through the motions? No, Hosea, it's not. Because I love Israel even when they're in Egypt, even when they're in bondage, even when they're broken. And you got to love her, Hosea, because you got to see what I feel. God steps from the pages of the Word of God and He declares, I'm not some distant deity. I'm not some cold concept on a throne in some far-flung heavens, but I am drawing my people with cords of love. The problem, though, the 
problem with the heart. The problem with love is it's really more of an emotion than anything. It's a choice. Yes. There's some will involved in this. Yes. But there's a lot of emotion in love. When you get emotion involved in things, it gets messy. When you get emotion involved in things, it starts to hurt just a little bit. When it's just theoretics and concepts, they don't hurt. But emotion hurts a little bit. Gomer's been married. Jose has poured his love out on her. He has given her good things. He's given her blessings. She, she now has a life she never thought she could have before. She now has respect in the community that she would have never been afforded before. Now she has her needs provided for. Now she's around the holy. Now she's around the prophet. Now she's a whole new creature with a whole new life. The problem is that Jose has got his heart in it and Gomer doesn't. Jose is saying she's beloved. Go, Hosea, love that woman. Beloved of a friend of Hosea, but she's going to be an adulteress still. See, even as he pours his love out upon her, Gomer's heart's still in the world. She's not ready to put it all in the church yet. She's not ready to put it all on God yet. She's not ready to just pour it out all on Hosea just yet. In Hosea chapter 2 and verse number 5, Hosea talks to the children that they've had, and he says, For their mother hath played the harlot. She that hath conceived them hath done shamefully. She said, I will go after my lovers. She will go after the world. They give me bread and water and wool and flax and oil and drink. In spite of the fact that Gomer's been redeemed. In spite of the fact that Gomer's been loved. In spite of the fact that Gomer's been brought out of a lifestyle of abuse and torment. In spite of the fact that Hosea has been good to her. She goes back to her old life. Even goes so far as to attribute Hosea's goodness and blessings to others. And when she goes back, she goes all the way back. When she goes back and makes her mistakes again, she goes and makes them good. And the Bible tells us that she literally sells herself. Gives herself so completely to her old lifestyle that she's now in bondage. Gives herself so completely to her old ways that she can't get free from them if she chose. She's now in bondage. is calling you into a lifestyle to get you out of the old lifestyle. He's brought you into something better. We talked about it last Sunday night. He's brought you into something better because your blessings are here. Don't forget that your blessings flow from God. Your blessings come from Hosea. They don't come from that old life. They don't come from that old world. And to go back just invites hurt. To go back just invites bondage. To go back just invites those same old addictions that you used to have freedom from. It brings you back to all the pain that you thought you were loose from. Brings you back to all the shame that you had been redeemed from. But if your heart's not in it, you'll always go back. 
if this is just religion, if it's just tradition, if it's just a little fling, if it's just something to do on Sunday mornings because it's what good people do, you'll go back. Gomer goes back. She finds it's worse than it's ever been. She walks away from Hosea, sells herself, and now he doesn't love her. He puts her on the auction block. He doesn't treat her like Hosea treated her. He doesn't give her the good things like Hosea gives her, gave her. She's just a possession to him. She's just one more thing to put up for sale to him. Gomer, 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 why'd you do that? Gomer, why'd you go back? Gomer, you had it good. Gomer, did you know that what you yield yourself to would become your master? I know it won't be written for a long time, but the principle's still true. Gomer, didn't you know that Paul would write, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey. And if you give yourself to sin, it'll lead to death. Gomer, why didn't you just put your heart in it? Gomer, why'd you go? We come to our text in, he, in Hosea chapter 11 and verse number 8, and we find God use a phrase. He looks down at Gomer and at Israel. He looks down at those that have abandoned him, turned away from his goodness, turned away from his blessings, and he makes this phrase. He states it this way, Mine heart is turned within me. The Hebrew verb can be understood on two levels. Yes, that he turned but it's also rendered in other places in Scripture as twisted and broken. He tells Gomer, Gomer, you've turned my heart, twisted it so many times, been unfaithful to me so often, chosen sin and addiction so frequently. You've turned my heart over and over and over. Twisted it. I kept pouring my love out on you, Gomer. I kept giving you blessings, Gomer. And you just kept twisting and turning. Gomer, you broke my heart. It's turned within me. What'd you do to God, Gomer? What'd you do to God, Gomer? I broke his heart because I just couldn't let sin go. Because I couldn't put my heart in this. Because I kept going back to addictions. Because I kept going back to the things that broke me, it broke him. Because I kept going back to the world. I kept going back to the things he loosed me from. I kept going back to the things he delivered me from. What would you do to God, Gomer? I wounded God. This undefeated God whose train fills the temple, who's never lost a battle, who is perfect and just, omnipotent and undefeatable, is wounded because Gomer refuses to put her heart into the relationship. And God looks down at Gomer and says, You've twisted my heart. Hear me. Hear me on this Sunday morning. It's not just a message to a bygone Gomer. And it's not just a message to an ancient Israel. But it's a message to humanity today. What are you doing going back to that world? 
What are you doing playing around with those addictions? What are you doing? I delivered you from that. I brought, don't do this to me. Don't go back. Don't walk out of this sanctuary and shrug it all off and go back to this world. You're twisting my heart, Gomer. And there are many Christians who would lift their hands on a Sunday morning and walk out of these doors and twist the heart of God. Just because my heart's not really in this. Oh, but God's heart is. And so it gets all twisted and turned and torn and broken. And I admit to you on this Sunday morning that if you are a person under the sound of my voice and I raise my hand as well because I too am not perfect and there have been times that I have not done what God wanted me to do and if you would be honest today you would say there's been times I've fallen and there's been times that I've messed up and there's been times that I've gone back to something that God delivered me from and God sits upon the throne and says, what are you doing, Gomer? <laughs> What are you going to do to Gomer, God? She's been unfaithful. What are you going to do to Gomer, God? She's not really ever had her heart in this. What are you going to do to those people, God? They didn't really love you like you love. You could find someone better, God. You could find someone more faithful. You could find someone else that put their heart. If Gomer wants to go, let her go. If Gomer wants to be addicted, let her be addicted. If Gomer wants to go back to brokenness, let her go back to brokenness. What are you going to do to Gomer, God? And in Hebrews chapter 11, we hear a hurt God rise up and say, this is what I'm going to do to Gomer. I'm going to let her go back to bondage. I'm going to let the Assyrians come in. I'll bring a sword into her life. I'll bring judgment that will consume her. I'll go find me another to be in covenant with. I'll find someone else that will give me credit for my blessings. I'll find someone else that will love me. I'll leave Gomer on the auction block. I'll leave her in her brokenness. That's the life she chose. And the devil would walk into this place and whisper into your ear, that's what God's going to do to you. He's going to leave you in the life you chose and you deserve nothing less and nothing more. He's going to leave you in your brokenness. He's going to leave you in your torment because that's what you chose. What are you going to do to God? Gomer, God? I'm going to leave her and let her be judged. And all of a sudden, as we read through chapter 11, we hear the hurt. We hear the twisted heart of God, the torn heart of God. Gomer, you didn't give me credit. Gomer, I healed you, but you didn't tell me that I healed you. You gave that honor to someone else. I delivered you, but you worshiped Balaam. I sent you prophets to bring you back to me, and you wouldn't listen to me. For seven verses, we hear a hurting God with a torn heart, saying, this is what I'm going to do to Gomer. But all of a sudden, there's silence in the throne room. This hurting God grows quiet my mind's eye give me the liberty of imagination for just a moment on a Sunday morning I see a gap between verse 7 and verse 8 that God's been hurt his heart's been all twisted and torn this is what I'm going to do to Gomer and then there's silence and again give me the liberty of imagination I see the seraphim in the throne room with twain they fly and with twain they cover their feet with twain they cover their face they've been listening to this hurt God 
And all of a sudden, he's not talking. Never before in all of their created history have they wanted to peek. What's he doing? Has he left? Has he gone to judge Gomer? I don't dare look, but what's he doing? For eternity, they're silent. And then they hear from behind their holy wings the voice of God. In verse number 8, say, oh, how could I? How shall I give thee up, Ephraim? How shall I deliver thee, Israel, or turn you over to those people? How shall I make thee as Admon Zeboim, those nations that I destroyed for their wickedness? My heart is turned within me. Yes, it means twisted and broken. But there's another sense to the verb. He said, my heart is turned. I was angry but I've turned. I was facing towards judgment, but I've turned. I wanted to pour out my wrath, but I've turned. You hurt me and I wanted to walk away, but I've turned. And God searches the divine recesses of his mind from which all creation has flown and he cannot find an answer. He simply says, how can I do this? How can I walk away from her? How can I deliver her over to the hands of the enemy? I cannot do this because I'm God and not man. Mm. You would walk away. I would walk away, but God says, I'm not like you. I've got more love than you've got, and I've got more mercy than you've got. I cannot do this thing. I'm coming back to you with mercy and with grace. And he talks to Hosea in Hosea chapter 3, and the Lord said unto me in verse number 1, Go yet. Go yet, Hosea, lover. That word yet, it means longer or again. I know she's been unfaithful to you, Hosea. I know she's twisted your heart. I know she's broken you. I know that she's not loved you the way you loved her. I know she's been unfaithful. I know she went back to bondage. But hey, Hosea, Go love her longer. Go show her mercy again because this isn't according to your love. It's according to my love. And the message you got to preach, Hosea, is that the Lord loves longer and his mercy is again and again and again and again and again. Oh, friend, hear me. Maybe you've been facing some challenges in your life, some failures that the devil told you a lie that God has given up on you and abandoned you and the Lord has come into this house on a Sunday morning and said, go yet. I love longer. I will have mercy again. I'll cover it again. I'll bring you back. I'll redeem you. I'll purchase you. I still love you. Oh, Gomer, you've heard me, but I love you because what Gomer does to God is to hurt him, but what God does to Gomer is to love her again and again and again. Mm. Uh, oh, 
Go love her. Go yet. Go yet and love her again because that's my nature. That's how I do it. That's the message, Hosea. That's the message, Hosea. I still love her. But she's been an adulteress, God, but I still love her. She's still mine, and I'm still pursuing her. Oh, hallelujah. And it's a lie of the enemy to make you believe you found the end of his mercy, to make you believe you found the end of his grace. When the Lord is standing here and saying, There's a yet in this story. There's a yet in your life. There's a longer that I'm wanting to talk to you about. There's an again that I want to remind you of. But all oh, this week I have failed. And God says I can love again. But I'm struggling with these addictions. I can have mercy again and bring you back. I'll make it white as snow again. I'll wash you with the blood of the Lamb again. If you'll just put your heart in this one time, if you'll just allow yourself to love me, you'll find that I will have unending mercy. And I've taken a long road to make a simple point. Sister Borders, would you come? Congregation, would you stand? The simple point I'm reaching for you today. Don't you dare walk away because you think God's going to judge. Don't you dare walk away because you think God's too hurt to forgive when God has risen on a Sunday morning to say, Go yet. I love again. I won't take the time to go through all of Hosea's symbolic ministry. There's Hosea with the command, go yet. Go again. She's in bondage. She's on the auction block. Go get her. And Hosea walks out to the marketplace, wherever it was all happening. What will you give me for Gomer? I don't know what the opening bids were. I don't know if the man selling her had other offers. What will you give me for Gomer? I'll give you five shekels. I'll give you ten. Hosea, this is voice. I'll give fifteen shekels of silver. Someone else, I'll give you twenty. I'll give you 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a half and a, a barley. I don't know that it's able to be proven by piecing together all the verses and finding all the values. Commentators have supposed that the total value came to 30 pieces of silver that was offered for Gomer that day. Sold! To Hosea, for 30 pieces of silver. 30 pieces of silver to save this woman from a life of torture and brokenness and abuse. What will you give me for Jesus, Judas? I'll give you 30 pieces of silver and I'll choose brokenness over this Hosea. I'll choose bondage and torment in my mind over that Hosea. And here comes Jesus in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse number 5. 
They sold you out, Jesus. They're only going to sell you for 30 pieces. What are you going to do about it, Jesus? What, what will you give for Gomer? Isaiah 53 and 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. And he was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we're healed. Would you do that for God? Gomer's not worth all that, God. She's not worth the stripes. She's not worth the bruising, the hurting, and the twisting of the heart. Would you do that for God? Because my heart's in this. And I love her. And she's valuable. Across this building, would you bow your head and close your eyes? I hope you hear the voice of the Master. Would you hear Hosea lifting his voice today? I'll give everything for Gomer. I'll go to the cross. If I can just redeem Gomer, I'll be bruised and I'll be broken. But I want to redeem Gomer. Oh, I wish someone would lift your voice right now and respond to the love of the Master. His heart's set on you today. It doesn't matter where you've been and what you've done. He's set on you and He's drawn. It's not an accident that you're here this morning. He's drawn you with cords of love to this place so that you would hear Him say, Yet, again, longer, I still love you. I'm still drawing you. I'm still wanting to redeem you. You just got to put your heart in this relationship. And I'm opening up this altar on this Sunday morning. And I'd invite this congregation to step from your place, your pew, and to come find you just a moment. Would you respond to the call? Would you respond to a God who's reaching for you right now? Mm. Come on, you can step out of that life. You can step out of the bondage and the addiction. Step out of the brokenness because there's a Hosea lifting his voice. I'll give everything for Gomer. Come on, you've got value. You've got worth right now. God's calling you to a better life. God's calling you to a better life. Take just a moment. Put your heart in this. I'm choosing Hosea today. I'm choosing God today. Come on, no more back and forth. No more back and forth. This is where I am.
have been listening to an audio sermon from Apostolic Worship Center located at 3221 North Porter Avenue in Norman, Oklahoma. Our service times are Sunday at 10 o'clock a.m. and 6 o'clock p.m. And we also have various ministries happening on Wednesday night. For more information, visit our website, www.apostolicworship.com. You can call us at 405-329-1285, or you can email us at info at apostolicworship.com. We hope that this recording has been a blessing to you.